Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and and Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Uh, I mean, I feel like you're going well. Um, came up a little short on two-point conversions. I think that's kind of the, the difference in the ball game. But uh, I, I wouldn't say they, you know, they, they played what we thought they were going to play. And <clears throat> I felt good out there seeing what, what they were playing. So uh, I don't think it was anything they did. It just came up short on uh, two two-point conversions. That is Mike Glennon. By the way, uh, the game yesterday, 27 to 25. Jags lost. Yeah. 10 in a row. Mm-hmm. Glennon played well. You did. Here's my beef, okay? And I'm just going to say it again. I've said it plenty of times. Get him, Brent. You once again can't convince me that you were trying to win. Ooh, Brent. If you put Jake Luton in. Like the last three weeks. Boomer bust, man. You're not trying to win the game. Boomer bust. If I saw Mike Glennon play for the first time in three years, and he looked poised, and he looked fine. Now, again, Luton looked good in his first game, too. He did. So... But but I'll even, I just back that up with fine. You I'll give you the Luton game against Houston. He did a good job. Mm. So you go back. You know what? It wasn't awful against Green Bay, but he wasn't very good. He, to me, didn't, like Glennon would have given you a better chance in that game. Yeah. What I can't get over is the second half against Pittsburgh. How you rolled out Luton again Agreed. in the second half against Pittsburgh. That made no sense for guys that are playing hard on your football team, even though they've lost eight, nine, ten games in a row. It just doesn't add up. And then I watch. Glennon play, and I, I understand, like, Glennon's not going to even look like that most of the time, but Glennon was a poised veteran, just felt like he would give you a better chance to be successful, mm-hmm. um, and he gave them a chance to be successful yesterday, so I I, I I feel like I'm kind of beating a dead horse with that argument, I just, I think it's worth noting, you could have done the opposite, you could have said, hey, we're going to put Glennon out there because we think he gives us well, the best chance to win, and then we could have, and then once he did bad three games in you could go to Luton then no I hear you man and obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but there's a reason why Mike Glennon's career is what 6-16 six and 6-17 six and 17 now alright it's like but we've seen Mike Glennon play yep. at the time we've never seen Jake Luton play right all we knew about him is he had a pretty big arm he's a big bodied guy that's all we knew and, and I'm convinced and once again this is where we disagree a little bit and maybe I'm wrong but I'm convinced that Luton was brought in there to be the ultimate boomer bust guy and you know what? The first two weeks we saw Luton play, I was like, hmm, okay, interesting. Now, I agree with you. After that Pittsburgh game at halftime, you had to do something else, right? Like, at least lie to us and say, you know what, Mike Lennon, go in there and at least give us a shot to come back and, you know, make this game competitive because Luton wasn't going to win that game. Like, there was not... There was nobody in Jacksonville that thought halftime of Pittsburgh, Luton coming back out there, it's going to be like, oh, well, the Jags going to be okay. Nobody thought that. And if you did, I'll be the first one to tell you that you're crazy. So I agree that they should have put Glenn in at halftime um, of Pittsburgh. But besides that, I'm not, I don't fault them for starting Luton over Glennon. All right. Uh, we are going to get to your comments of why this isn't as attractive of a job or you don't th- like the narrative going on right now with mm-hmm. that. Uh, I, I I thought about this, and I think I know where you're going to go with this. But uh, oh, let's go there. If I'm correct. I'm let's not go even, there. I'm, I'll, I'll just let you know if uh, if I'm in the right ballpark. <laughs> I'm sure you will be. But 
Uh, I do want to remind everybody that uh, right now on, on Twitter, uh, we're giving away a $25 uh, gift card to Donato's uh, and on the social media apps. Because here's the deal. Today, we'll get 2 million views for 2020 mm-hmm. on uh, the platforms of Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, and Facebook. So we appreciate everybody jumping in there. And, and you don't have to watch the shows, but we appreciate you checking out the video element, something we do a little bit different. We have for two years, and we're growing that, and we appreciate uh, you being a part of it. If you listen to your car, we love you for doing that, too. Listen on ESPN 690 dot com or uh the podcast or anywhere else we we love you uh but uh we we get a little shout out to the folks watching on the video streams and um 25 dollar gift card to donato's if you can answer this question we're going to pick maybe even a couple but definitely one of what was the best move dave caldwell made as general manager we've got some interesting ones in yeah already the fournette move of getting rid of uh, that's a good one tony polster mm-hmm. said that uh we just got another one in um, on Marcel Darius trade. Very underrated move. Great move in 17. Very underrated. Because that's a great move because I'll tell you, I love the way that was, they were thinking. We're oh, yeah. great on defense already, but we can be even better. They're at the cusp of uh, be having something special, they felt like, and Marcel Darius was really that one player play away from going, you know, to the next echelon. That's, that's the kind of thinking you need. Mm-hmm. All right. That's the way Kansas City thinks. Correct. We have a good quarterback and MVP candidate, Alex Smith. We can get even better. We already have all these weapons. We can get even faster. Nicole yeah. Hardman or whoever else, right? Uh, Edwards Zelaire. You know, mm-hmm. we just keep adding to offense, 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 offense. I think the great teams these days are doing that, saying we're not satisfied. Mm-hmm. We might be great here, but we're not satisfied. And that was the one example I think you could really give the Jaguars did that mm-hmm. uh, back in 17 when they added uh, Marcel Darius. So I love that way of thinking. I think the Jags need to think that way more. Uh, Gator Boss 87 says signing Calais Campbell. Uh, you know, that's kind of where I was going. And, and, and by the way, re- they 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 anteed up on Calais Campbell. Mm-hmm. Denver bluffed, I think, a little bit if you go back and read the stories on that. Mm-hmm. But that was his hometown. And why would you come to Jacksonville? And Dave Caldwell and Shad Khan and everybody anteed up. Uh, Tom Coughlin as well. And Tom Coughlin was a big reason, by mm-hmm. the way, why Calais Campbell came to Jacksonville. So I don't want to dismiss that. But. They anteed up and said, hey, we need this guy. We mm-hmm. want this guy. And one of the best signings in franchise history, one of the best free agent signings in league history mm-hmm. for what he did. So I uh, love it. Keep the moves uh, coming. What, what else did he do well? Because there are some things. That's the deal. Like, he found some good players. I'll give you a couple other examples. Go look at the pass rushers before Dave Caldwell got here, going all the way back to the early 2000s, mm-hmm. and nothing. The Jags couldn't f- figure out the position. They couldn't get pressure on the quarterback. Well, they did bring Calais in. They got Yannick Ngakwe. They found now Josh Allen. You know, they found some pass rushers, and there's even more than that. Um, Dante Fowler Jr. was just okay, but uh, still had some sacks. I think receivers are another one. Hadn't had a thousand yard receiver since Jimmy Smith, Allen Robinson, Allen Hearns, uh, now DJ Chark. Mm-hmm. Two positions where the Jaguars were very bad at for like over a decade. And Dave Caldwell was able to get some talent in on those positions. So uh, important to note that it wasn't all bad for Dave Caldwell, even though the record certainly didn't add up to being very good. And, and the firing is justified, no doubt about it. I think his best move is deciding to say, hey, I'm not going to save my ass here and go win us eight games. The best thing to do for this organization is to reset this roster mm-hmm. and create space mm-hmm. and make this attractive um, if we don't do well for the next people that come in here. Not necessarily attractive for the next guy who's going to take my job, but it's just better for the organization. This gets us to where we want to go faster if instead of just throwing a Band-Aid on you know, a seven or eight win season, we, can, we might struggle. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, fingers crossed, we do well. 
but we're going to reset this roster and be in a really good position going forward in 21-22. Why don't you buy that? Uh, I can't stand the narrative when people say that it's an attractive job, okay? That, oh, they have all these draft picks. They can get a new quarterback. They have a lot of money in the salary cap. All those things are attributes to be an attractive job. But I'm here to tell you that history has indicated that it doesn't matter sometimes how attractive the job is. Let's go back to last year because people seem to have short memories of what transpired last year in terms of the whole coaching circle. Now, five guys got hired last year as NFL head coaches. I'm going to leave the Browns out of it because that was an in-house um, you know, signing with uh, Kevin Stefanski. Right? So to me, I mean, it might have been attractive, might, whatever, but like it was in-house. That doesn't really count. In my opinion, I think a lot of people would share my sentiments here when I say that the most attractive job last year was a Dallas Cowboys gig, right? It's America's team. You got Dak Prescott. They're coming up a pretty good year. You have a lot of pieces in place to be successful. Amari Cooper, Ezekiel Elliott, the quarterback's already taken care of. Pretty good offensive line. Not a bad defense. Like, the Cowboys were right for the picking in terms of that's like that's the, the job to go after. And who they go after? Mike McCarthy, who was probably the top candidate as a coach at the time, right? All of a sudden, ESPN's doing these things about analytics. Mike McCarthy's changed. How's Dallas? How, how's the Dallas Cowboys team doing right now? Not good. How are they doing? How's Mike McCarthy doing right Awful. now? But what are you talking? But you, I think they, they, they had the best job available. Like they, they had Dak Prescott. They had all these offensive weapons. They had a good offensive coordinator who's young who gets the game and Kellen Moore. But now I'm watching Dallas, and I get it. Dak got hurt. Doesn't really matter, though. You're supposed to be doing a little more successful than what you're doing. And now all of a sudden, like, it seems like Mike McCarthy's lost the team. So minus one for the whole, well, it was a good situation. It was a good scene. Let's go to probably the second best job, in my opinion, the New York Giants. All right, and then I say second best job because why? Well, they have Daniel Jones. We know who he's going to be at the time, but they had Daniel Jones, their quarterback. They have Saquon Barkley. They had a defense that was coming up a little bit, and you had offensive weapons like Evan Ingram, Golden Tate, uh, Slayton. Um, say what you want about that, but they, they had guys there. Well, who do they go after? Well, let, let's go ahead and go after the New England Patriots motto. Let's go after Joe Judge. How are the Giants doing right now? Now, maybe they're in first place first in the division, place, but what are, they, what are they, three and seven right now? Four and seven. Four and seven. Three wins in a row. Three wins in a row. So I'm not buying in the Giants quite yet. So now let's go to the bottom two. Let's go to the Carolina Panthers, who at the time didn't have a quarterback, who at the time didn't really have a lot of draft capital, and they get possibly, once again, depending how you feel about Mike McCarthy, or they possibly get the, the, the best candidate in Matt Rule. Okay? Everyone's talking about Matt Rule coming out of college, the culture builder, the culture builder. Well, Matt Rule right now in Carolina, not doing a bad job, right? Like Teddy Bridgewater, I think it's kind of exceeding expectations. But my point is nobody was vouching for the Carolina job. Guys weren't going out of their way to interview for the Carolina job. And you know what? Carolina got their guy in that rule. Now that they paid him a lot of money, so be it. And gave him a long time to do it. Yeah. But, but they still got their guy. Last guy, Washington. All right. If Jack Del Rio would have called me and said, hey, Austin, man, I appreciate you as a player. I like your mind. You want to come help me coach for the Washington uh, you know, f- football team there? I'd be like, coach, there's no way. I'm not going to Washington. Mm-hmm. It's an absolute nightmare right now. How could you want to go coach in Washington? Though the whole team name's going to be changed. You're, the owner is going through a bunch of stuff right now. Like, it is a nightmare of a franchise. So what do they get? So they get Ron Rivera, a guy that's really, and I know nobody's like hitless, let's just say, like, you didn't really like him. I, didn't. I enjoyed. I mean, I think Ron Rivera is a great culture guy, and I was for that signing. 
How's Washington doing right now? Well, by the way, with a quarterback starting who probably shouldn't even be playing right now, who defied all the odds there. How's Washington doing right now? Same as the Giants. Bad. Same as the Giants, right? So that's just one year, though. But if we go back the year before that, when we got Bruce Arians in Tampa, like Tampa was like the big job. Like, you know, Jameis Winston, can somebody uh, mold him there? What about Bruce Arians has Tom Brady and all his offensive weapons? How's Bruce Arians doing right now with what he's given? Yeah, I would say, ah, okay. How's Vic Fangio doing right now in Denver? My point is, like, yeah, you can go ahead and have this coveted job in Jacksonville. You can have all these draft picks to dangle at this guy, and you can go ahead and have all these things, well, the salary cap, whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, you have to get your guy. You have to get the guy that you think is going to help the team. So it's not like you're trying to attract 10 zooters over here. and ten. No, you're attracting one head coach. Right, So we get so wrapped up in saying it's such an attractive job, that's fine. And maybe you are the hottest girl in the bar right now. But at the end of the day, the hottest girl in the bar isn't going to be your wife. It's the girl that you vibe with the most. That's where you have success. So I don't care about the Jacksonville Jaguars being the hottest girl in the bar right now. All I care about is the connection and is vibe with the head coach that's going to make this work. Because history has shown us right now that the hottest jobs haven't worked out. All right, but right now, or last year, the Jaguars were bouncers at the Cheesecake Factory, <laughs> and now they can bounce at a bar, all right? That's the difference, because that's why people say it's so attractive now, because there are other suitors. There are other people. If you're in the position, and you're mm. coveted, and who knows, right? If you're Eric Bieniemy, mm-hmm. because we know those ne- better, So, but there's coveted GMs, too. But, sure. it, like, listen, Dave Caldwell, the Jets wanted Dave Caldwell at the time, too, mm-hmm. came to Jacksonville. And who knows, maybe it was better to come to Jacksonville, right? Well, how's New York doing right now? Yeah, let's <laughs> oh be honest. Oh my gosh, Adam Gase is let's a different story. Yeah. But the, I, I think the bottom line is if I have a couple of job offers, which one's going to be more attractive? And right now Deshaun Watson's sitting there in Houston, mm-hmm. Matthew Stafford and Matt Ryan in the other two places. And the Jags are sitting there with nobody, but you get to shape them. So it depends on the suitor, right? It depends sure. on who – what they're after, but, but they're yeah. gonna say they're not gonna be like, oh, geez, Jacksonville. But that, Brent, first we, thing they're gonna say is their agent's gonna say, hey man, Jacksonville's going to the Jacksonville, and then they're gonna look a little like Jacksonville, two, but, number two pick. Brent, we saw this two years money. ago. But we saw this two years ago with Zach Taylor, right? Zach Taylor was a guy who came from Sean McVay's system. Well, it was like it was Sean McVay's quarterbacks coach. He knows Sean McVay, and this is back when Sean McVay was the hot name of the yeah, hot yeah. names, right? So then, what does Cincinnati do? Well, we, we have a lot of draft capital. We could probably get the number one pick of the draft. Let's bring in a quarterback-friendly guy, uh, a really hot young name, and Zach Taylor, and let's let him take over. How's Zach Taylor doing right now in Cincinnati? Are people excited for Zach Taylor in Cincinnati? Not really. And that job at the time a couple years ago, that was a hot job. Well, Joe I, Burrow, let's go. Listen, I, I get what you're saying, and I think it's it's twofold, though, okay? One of it's the eyes of the person coming in. Sure. Okay? And that's what people are saying it's attractive, what you're actually criticizing a little bit more is Shad Khan's got to make the right choice, right? Yeah. And that's what you're pointing out a lot of situations where the teams don't seem to make the right choice. How's that mm-hmm. working out? Yeah. But the point is Bruce Arians thought Tampa was a pretty good job because it had Jameis Winston, sure. right? And because it had Mike Evans. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Zach Taylor might have thought, hey, well, first of all, it's a job opportunity, and I'm like 30 years old. So <laughs> if even that old, yeah, yeah, you know. So I mean, that's an opportunity, but mm-hmm. you could see like okay, this they've got some good players. Mm-hmm. The bottom line is most people that Shad Khan are going to go after are probably being sought after by another team as well. Mm-hmm. Where do the Jags fall on that list is important. Um I actually thought you were going to answer this a little differently. Okay. 
I actually thought you were going to say, see, I think the one unattractive part of Jacksonville right now is something that you hit on a lot. And I don't know how you fix this. And I'm a, I'm worried even more now that the Jags are in a rut of losing than they ever have been mm-hmm. because it feels almost acceptable. Mm-hmm. It's almost accepted by the fan base to be losing. Who the hell does that? Mm-hmm. That's the point we're at. I'm not blaming the fans here. I understand what you're thinking. You're thinking the same thing I'm thinking. I get it. You might be thinking the same thing the owner's thinking. But I wonder in that locker room that they know they're going to lose every Sunday going out there because they're not good enough. And that's, well, at least we're playing hard. Yeah. Sooner or later, that's got to change. That can't be the standard. You know, and, and Marone talked about a little bit today. He said, we're trying to build up the calluses to say, hey, man, you better go work hard this offseason because you don't want to be a part of this stuff. You know, I think that's why they won in 17 a year after Gus left. Mm-hmm. Not the only reason. I think Coffin and all these other people are part of it. I, I don't want to give too much credit to Gus. But I, I do think all the, the losing finally hurt so much to some of those players yeah. that they were sick of it, man. And so they did the little things, the extra thing, the whatever thing to win in 17. I'm a little worried that losing – has become the norm so much in Jacksonville that although no athlete is going to sit there and say it's okay to lose, we're, we're not trying to win. Yeah. It's just a subconscious of the standard is not set like it is in Baltimore, like it is in Pittsburgh, like it is now in Kansas City, like it's been in Seattle, like it is in New England. Yeah. The standard, listen, I, I mean, even Carolina right now, they're four and eight. They're like, hey, that's not bad. We're better than we thought we'd be. They're at least well, what intrigued. The hell, but what the hell kind of, that's well, not the way it's supposed to be. No, I hear you. But you know? like, people aren't ready to run Matt Rule out of town. Like, oh, they're like, all right, well, let's see what this guy's got now. I, you know, like there's, listen, there's the re- a sense of intrigue there. The reality is that you have to understand the situation your team is in. And sure. that's why losing can be acceptable almost mm. uh, like in a year. But you have to be careful that doesn't frame the standard that no. you're setting. Uh, and that's where I thought you were going to go with no, this see, because right I'm not now gonna... there is a standard of losing in Jacksonville. Without a doubt. And it's okay. Without a doubt. And it's okay because the GM keeps his job for eight years and the head coach keeps his job for four Listen, years. Listen, if you want to put it in layman's terms, it's almost like this team is cursed. Right, it's like no matter what you do, this team's destined to be, you know, a, a two-win, a three-win team every single year. The reason why I didn't go down that road though is because, in terms of being attractive for a head coach, like, listen, I think there's an ego to every single head coach out there. I think every head coach wants to be the guy that turns it around. So if you can be the guy that can come into Jacksonville and fix this oh, yeah. curse and turn around, like, you're gonna take great pride in Absolutely. that. Now, I think from a player's perspective, it's different. I think from a player's perspective, like, if you're trying to coax a new free agent here. Like a high value free agent, like yeah, maybe money can rule everything. But you mean to tell me if I can take you know the three million dollar pay cut and go someplace else and maybe pay state taxes to go to a winning team right away? Maybe I'd do that. Yeah. But I, I think from the coach's perspective, though, I think they almost embrace that challenge of having that losing culture because they want to be the guys that turn around. Keep, That's why I didn't go down that road. Keep in mind they had been losing a lot, 13, 14, 15, 16, and, and beyond even mm-hmm. before that. And Calais Campbell and AJ Boye still came here in seventeen. Yeah. And they didn't take the three million dollars cheaper. Mm-hmm. They took the money, mm-hmm. and so. This is going to be looked at as a young team that has James Robinson, who Sheldon Richardson said after the game, he's legit. Mm-hmm. Has Josh Allen, who's a nice young player. The players know, mm-hmm. you know, and I think even the players say, hey, I'm going to go in there and fix this thing. You know, mm-hmm. that's what guys do. I, I think that's why all the talk about quarterbacks saying, I don't want to go to New York. I don't want to go to Jacksonville. They're not going to do that, man. The Eli situation was different. Mm-hmm. They're not going to do it because they think they can fix it. Mm-hmm. That's the way we're made. I, 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 we, I'm not like a quarterback. I'm just saying that's the way, that's the human nature of that is I'm good enough to fix this. You watch, I'm going to fix it. Yeah. I don't care where I'm going. We're going to win. That's all I've ever done in my life is win. Yeah. And it hasn't been the case in Jackson. Let's get to Steven real quick, then we've got to get to break. Uh, what's up, man? I uh, hope you had a good Thanksgiving. 
Yeah, I did. How about you guys? Good. Sorry to keep you waiting. What's up? Hey, it's okay. Uh, I got a big question to ask for you guys, and uh, I'm going to use some of your own words against you because I know you guys don't agree on a lot of things. But there's one thing you agreed upon was for our franchise quarterback, they need to be able to play and win games even though they don't have a good defense. And I changed people's minds about Trevor Lawrence, and here's I'm going to throw this at you. Do you think Ohio State and Florida and we'll say BYU and Alabama can win without their star quarterbacks? Uh, Clemson, BYU, and Alabama, is that what you're asking? Can they win without the Zach Wilsons, uh, the Trevor Lawrence's, the, the no, Mac Jones? No, uh, Ohio State, Florida, BYU, and Alabama, just oh. those teams. Can they win without them? Yeah. Uh, I don't think they can win the whole thing without him. No, I think Ohio State can definitely win the Big Ten without yeah. Justin Fields. Uh, but I don't think they can win big. Uh, you know, and Zach Wilson probably not even close. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't know if BYU is undefeated without Zach Wilson, mm-hmm. uh, although they haven't played right. many people. Kyle Trask has been so good. I mean, you want me to name the quarterbacks Florida's had and they haven't won? You know, Kyle Trask has been a difference maker in turning them around just as much as Dan Mullen. And Mac Jones is probably a – this probably points to Mac Jones because it's like – you know, you could play quarterback at Alabama and you're probably still going to win some football games because they always win. But Mac Jones has given them a chance to win a national title, I think, because he's playing so well. Uh, but in a way, that's my point. Uh, the difference between those quarterbacks and Trevor Lawrence. Because uh, if you look at all the number ones picks, you know, the, the analysts, you know, praise him to be, you know, the second coming of Jesus, even though Trevor Lawrence is here, in that direction. But um, my point is he's a piece of an already talented all-around team. He hasn't had to have that experience of carrying a team because the defense isn't that good. And Clemson's won without him. Okay, so, Stephen, let me ask you this question, though. Let's go back to 2014, 2015, and 2016 with a guy by the name of Patrick Mahomes. Played at Texas Tech. Didn't have a defense to have his back. Had okay receivers. How was Patrick Mahomes in college? How was his record? I didn't, you know, I wasn't a big Texas Tech fan back then, well, to be well, honest. The bottom line is they didn't win big. They didn't win big. I'm just making the point for this year. That's it. Because okay. everybody's, you know, all hot about them or whatever. Because my example would be Baker Mayfield. They praised him. He was a piece of an already good team. Joe Burrow, I hope you get better. I wouldn't. Uh, want that injury based on anybody. But I can tell you right now, 2019 LSU would definitely beat the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, well, I don't know about that, but I appreciate it, Stephen. Thanks, man. I get what you're saying. Uh, it's listen. Are they coming? Are they good because they're good? I, I understand. He's saying because Russell Wilson the talent around big at got. Wisconsin and, and NC State, he ends up being great. Correct. Uh, I think your Patrick Mahomes examples is a is a great example. Yeah. I think if you're picking one of the litter to yeah. say, well, I mean Zach Wilson probably. Puts them undefeated and in top ten worthy conversation mm-hmm. because he's so good. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I can't deny the fact that Clemson would probably still win the ACC and Ohio State would still win the Big Ten. I do think Florida's different now. I think Kyle Trask has elevated them to a place they haven't been in a long time because sure. he's playing such good quarterback. Yeah. But I also don't. I don't want Kyle Trask at number two if that's going to be my measuring stick. You know, I don't yeah. want him on my. I'm not drafting him number two. Mm-hmm. So. It's an interesting thing. Listen, it's hard to read quarterbacks. 
and there's a lot of intangibles. You know, again, if you watch the young court, even Patrick Mahomes, what he does at a line of scrimmage, now in what, year three yeah. or four versus what Aaron Rodgers does in year 16. I mean, it's like watching an orchestra play, watching Aaron Rodgers at the True. line. Mahomes can't do that yet. Doesn't have to, though, man. But he doesn't have to. Yeah. Should we see the MVP award right now, by the way, Patrick Mahomes? That's unbelievable. I mean, what, what are we talking about? Well, Rodgers you know, is doing good, but come on, man. Mahomes is just ridiculous. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, all right, Dad, when we come back, Shad Khan's best move, kind of piggybacking a little bit in a different way off what Austin said, Shad Khan's best move, maybe as owner, keeping Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone at the end of last year. I'll mm. explain next on oh, ESPN 690. Brent Martineau. I, play, I finished hey. second, right? I lost in the championship yeah. to you. Austin Lane. I, I, hey, you know what? You didn't win, okay? That's I didn't win. Don't, don't worry about what you did last year. You no, didn't win. I okay? didn't win, yeah. and I auto-drafted. <laughs> <laughs> Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. At the end of the day, you, you might, you know, the results aren't what you want. I, I, I understand that. You know, when you're in a community that I love, I really do. I mean, you're talking about, you know, you're talking about family. You're talking about a lot of things. You know, so I'm in a community that I that I truly love. You know, we have an owner that wants to win. I think that's awesome. I really do. I mean, you know, he he wants to win, and he and 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 that's there's no mistake about it. When you go out and you're filling up your car with gas, and you're going to a convenience store, or you're going out to dinner, it, it's embarrassing. You know, I I feel that way. You know, at times, and the only thing I have to rely on to make sure I can walk around and be a good example is to know that I fought my ass off, that I've done everything I possibly can, doing my job to the best of my ability to try to win football games. Mm, I know that feeling. Playing at Murray State. Mm. Basketball school. Mm. But I tried, Brent. Fought my ass off, man. Congratulations. <laughs> on what? We won like five games in the junior year, and that was about it. We do that every day here on the show. Oh, yeah. Kicking and scratching. And today we celebrate two million views here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 6. Did we achieve that already? Oh, yeah. No we there? No, okay. Yeah. We did. Where are the did. balloons? I don't know. Where's the confetti? I don't know. Okay. But heck, we don't even know what it means. So uh, yeah. we appreciate you uh, watching on the video face on Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and Twitch and, of course, listening in your car and all the different places. And, and keep telling us. Let us know where you listen uh, to the show. I've always been interested in that kind of like where we, we see the numbers and, yeah. and at least on the video platforms. And so we uh, we get some people are there. Mm-hmm. Um but to be honest with you, we don't know what half the numbers mean half the time. <laughs> For sure. so, uh, For sure. But it's just an outlet uh, to be able to listen. And, and uh, big thanks to Coos because he makes all that work. And Stuart, when he's in here, and Scott, when he's in here, uh, helping produce the show. Uh, those guys, uh, we, we kind of task them with a little something different than, than most people would be tasked with when we're on the road or here. And uh, just another outlet for everybody else to join in the show, and we appreciate you jumping on, and hopefully we continue to grow. Also, condolences go out to Stuart Weber uh, because his fantasy team took on my team. And I'm not sure how he's done this, Brent. You know the whole Taysom Hill thing? Yeah. Somehow he was able to swindle another game of Taysom Hill at tight end. That's on you. How's that on me? Because you're the commission. ESPN, yeah, but ESPN even said, like, hey, we're, we're taking Taysom Hill off the, off the tight end list. He's only a quarterback now. So my bad for listening to ESPN and the app update. The, a little message said, oh, yeah, Taysom Hill no longer a tight end. I'm like, all right, that's cool. That's fine. Well, guess what happened? 
Pace and Mill back at tight end. But it's the up, guess to, the, what? up to the commission to oh, ultimately really? make the move. Okay, I should probably get on that then. You probably but, should. Hey, but you know what? Regardless, Brent, the ball doesn't lock. I still beat Stuart Weber. Didn't even need Taysom Mill not to play tight end for him. Sure, you might have got 17 points with Taysom Mill at tight end. But when you got Derek Carr getting .6 points, you're not going to beat me. So, hey. .6 points. .6 points. So, once again, the good guys win. The Taysom Hill supporters, y'all can go, you know what? It uh, doesn't matter. First place, baby. Feels more, good, Brent. More on your uh, fantasy football team tomorrow yep. on the show. Yeah, we'll see. Oh, no, I'll bring hey, it up. Hey, 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 I got hey, something to bring up. Oh, are you, are oh, yeah, you yeah. upset? Uh, no, not okay. upset. Nope, quite happy. Okay, uh, good. But anyway, let's uh, talk more about the firing <laughs> okay. of, of Dave Caldwell. <laughs> Weber's mad at me now, I just told him. <laughs> I don't think I was supposed to tell. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Whoops. Weber. Yeah. You got away with it for a week and you still couldn't beat him. I why hey, am I rooting hey, for you hey, now? No, uh, yeah, tell him, Brent. Hey, I mean, come don't on. play. What do you mean? Hey, Brent, thanks for telling me though. Seriously, I'm taking care of this right now. <laughs> you just keep talking. Get, I'm gonna adjust these settings right now. All right, so I just said something crazy on social media. Maybe you could interpret it this way. Yeah. I think Shad Khan's best move that he's made, maybe as owner. You can certainly argue bringing Tom Coughlin in for 17 was a great move because of where they ended up. And so that's fair. But in the long term, the long view of that, it didn't end up well at all. You ended up with grievances and a mess on your hand and losing players partly because of the Coughlin hire. Mm -hmm. And I think a, 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 a line of communication that was all messed up in the building, in my opinion. But last year, on December 31st, it was announced that while Tom Coughlin was gone weeks earlier... Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone were coming back. And everybody's like, what in the world is he doing? Why? Why is he coming? Why are they coming back? They didn't like it. Yeah. And this isn't like an I told you so moment, but this was my thought back then. And I think to some degree I'm being proven right. I, I felt like that was Shad Khan saying, and this is going to be the antithesis a little bit of what you just said at oh, 4 o'clock out. I know where we're going. But I really felt at the time that this was shot cleaning up the house mm -hmm. and that this was a bad look to be the Jacksonville Jaguars. And if you fire these guys and you're looking for a GM and a head coach, you, you are not attractive at all. Like, mm -hmm. not at all. Like, I don't want that. I got to deal with the Jalen Ramsey stench of, of what happened there. I got a real deal with being a laughing stock of losing again. I've got to deal with the Tom Coughlin grievances and free agents don't want to come here and the NFL PAs telling people not to sign there. I've got to deal with a quarterback situation as Gardner Minshew or Nick Foles and Foles on the book for a ton of money. Mm. I've got to deal with a big salary cap that has A.J. Boye making 15 mil and Calais Campbell, who might be aging, making 15 million. I've got to go walk into that. You want me to fix that? Or Dave Caldwell and Doug Marone, you stay on board and prove me wrong. Or, or best world is you win and Minshew is the guy. Mm-hmm. And this rebuild of sorts that you've done with the roster, you guys are able to win games. And Doug Marone, you're a great coach because you coached him up and you guys got W's. And Dave Caldwell, you got another crack at that draft. And, and you pick some good players and building blocks. And you added Schobert and others, and it worked out. And you got to seven wins or something. And wow, now look at all this on the horizon. Seven wins, maybe your franchise quarterback because you went with Minshew and all this young talent and all this salary cap space and still a lot of draft picks moving forward. Well, that would have been great. So I'm not sitting here telling you that his intent was if I bring Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell back, great, I'll tell them the tank and we'll be all right at 115. No, I, I think Shad was rooting for them to be successful. He was giving them another leash mm -hmm. and rooting for that. 
But he also knew this as a smart businessman and said, hey, worse comes to worse. They don't do well. And we're in a situation where we now clean up the cap mm. and we redo this roster a little bit. We do get younger and we don't have a quarterback situation mess. We're a year removed from the Tom Coughlin mess. We're a year removed from the Jalen Ramsey stuff. And the next people walking in here are exactly what all the national folks are saying today. And that is, that's a pretty attractive job. Nobody, nobody in the nation, no Schefter, Rappaport, name it, mm. was saying this is a good job. Nobody was saying that last year in December. Mm. And so now, a year later, the Jaguars are exactly what Shad Khan, I believe, thought they could be. If not a winner... They are an attractive place to turn it around quickly. And they've got everything that a good GM and good head coach can work with at their disposal. Not handicapped at all. Mm -hmm. They're not handicapped by a cap. They're not handicapped by big salaries on the roster. They're not handicapped by a lack of draft picks. Mm -hmm. They're not handicapped by two quarterbacks that you might not like, either one of them. They have nothing to handicap them. In fact, there's going to be a high-pressure on the people that come in here because to be honest with you they have no excuses other than the typical honeymoon to try to get things right because it's been bad in jacksonville and you got to change the culture but you don't have a ton of excuses what's the guy coming in here in two years if they haven't one gonna be like well dang i mean my hands were tied i mean i had to strip down the roster no it was already stripped i mean i didn't have a high draft no you had five draft picks in the top three rounds including the number two overall pick you got to pick the quarterback that's your guy but isn't it a detriment though to the house that you're trying to make look all pretty for the next people to come through isn't it a detriment though when you have been so patient when you didn't fire anybody because i'll tell you right now and i'm not not sure if gms and coaches are gonna have this mindset or not but part of the job that make or part of the i guess the attractiveness of this job is the fact that you have an owner right now who is extremely patient in the performance Right? Because you're not going to expect a coach or a GM to come in here year one and turn it all around. No. I'm not that naive. It takes time. But my point is, is like, the last thing I want if I'm an owner or if I'm a Jaguars fan is for a GM candidate or a coach to go, well, you know what? I want to go to Jacksonville because they are so lenient. Like, man, I can get like four or five years to make this thing right. I don't want that. I want a coach. I want a GM to come in day one in that meeting and go, you know what? Here's what we're going to do to turn around. It's going to take us maybe a year, two years at the very maximum, and you will see changes. I don't want complacency, and I don't want people to come in and say, well, we have an owner who's very patient, so let's just take our time with this. That's a loser's mentality. That's what got you guys here in the first place. Well, I think that's the hardest thing this next group has to fix. But I will argue this, Austin. That I believe if you start panicking for your job, you start Adam Gase lying. You start Jack Del Rio playing Blaine Gabbert when the plan was not to play him. Yeah. You know, you start doing things that you can't stick to a plan and have a plan. If you come in here and you know you have four years to get this right, and you're not going to be on the hook and in the office for every wrong move that you make, well, then you're willing to put a plan together and stick to it. I can't sit here and tell you that it's going to be the right plan. But I would rather have a guy in here that says, hey, I've got this plan. Says, hey, we can get to seven or eight wins next year. We can get to 12 the next and be competing yeah, for the want. playoffs. Two years, absolutely. Two years, boom. 
that's my plan. I, I don't know if it's going to happen, but I want that guy to stick to a plan that he has instead of being all over the place, being like, oh, my God, I might be fired in two week, two years if I don't get this right. I'd rather have this situation. It's not going to be uh, ideal and perfect because they do have to turn around this losing mentality around you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just has – it's it's here. There's a stench of it. I mean, you you have to fix that. I don't know how you fix that. You've got to fix that. But this is an attractive job, and it's way more attractive than it was a year ago. And I believe that's why he brought Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell back, because it was a win-win either way. They were going to exceed expectation, or they were going to set this up to be in a very good spot in 21. All I'm saying is if I'm Shad Khan here, and let's say two years in the future, right, two seasons in the future, and I'm Shad Khan, and if I'm sitting here with like a four-win football team, I'm not happy. Well, then you made the wrong choice no, again, but, and that's but, 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 on but, but, you, the owner. I'm not happy, though, Brent. That's like, fine. Don't be, but you stink at hiring people then. All right, then. That's on them. All right. We'll be back on ESPN 690. So Doug and I had a conversation, and we were just working through, you know, what would be the best situation for him. You know, at the end of the day, you know, we talked, and it was it was on my plate, and we just felt that, hey, listen, another day of working with the strength and conditioning coaches, you know, rather than being out there on Sunday, was a, a good situation for him. So that's how we came to that decision. All right, let's talk a little football for a moment. I want to get into the Doug Marone part of this whole equation in just a bit, but we'll give the heavy topic of, of the Jags making change a rest for a few minutes. A couple things going on in the NFL, by the way. They might postpone that Ravens-Steelers game again. Yeah. This is a, a longer conversation probably for tomorrow. We'll get a lot of stuff with the Jags today. But just Cliff's Notes version. Mm-hmm. College football in the NFL should... Should they almost like shut down for a week? Couple weeks. Yeah. Is that, I don't know. Like I don't know if I believe it. I'm just asking the question. Uh, I mean, they played the Denver Broncos played with no quarterbacks. It's embarrassing. I understand they were trying to send a message, and it was partly their own fault. That's impar- That's an embarrassing product to put out there for the league, not the Broncos, for the league. I mean, the, there's. Got to be some sort of integrity involved in, you in what you're putting out there. Yeah, was, was, like, what are we doing? This is a National Football League. Yeah, it, that was bad. And and now the Ravens Steelers thing. I mean, I don't. I think you have to be flexible. I think Mike Tomlin's been very good. But now I'd be start getting ticked off if I'm the Steelers. I mean, how much? How much am I supposed to move my stuff around yeah. for these teams? I mean, they had to do this with the Titans once, yep. and now the Ravens. Here we are again. Yeah. I, I'm not feeling bad for the Steelers. I mean, they're undefeated, but. Should they be playing right now? Maybe just put stuff on pause for a week and a half and get it cleaned up. I know. Um, listen, obviously, like, we see what's happening, and obviously it's getting worse, right? And I honestly, and once again, you know, I'm not a doctor. It's more bro science than anything right now coming from my mouth. But I just feel like one week won't make the difference. Because at the end of the day, like, these guys are going home. These guys are still going out in public. Now, maybe they're wearing the mask and stuff like that, but, like, they're at a risk as well. And as, you know, people in society, like the, the, the numbers go up, I feel like the numbers of, and I have a locker room is going to go up. It's as simple as that. It's, it's a cause and effect. And I feel like not, like just, you know, if you sit out a week, that's not going to do anything for it, unfortunately. I, I wish that could be the answer. I feel like it isn't, though. I just don't think you can have what you had in Denver. I understand it was their fault. And by the way, I mean, shame on those guys. I don't know about shame on those guys. I'm not shaming anybody. If you didn't wear a mask here or there or somehow you got it, maybe you could even have got it if you did have a mask on. I mean, I don't know what. It's a long time to do it. I I, I think I'd be – I'm not going to judge people for not doing it, slipping up, and then all of a sudden creating this situation because I think anybody could slip up and not have it on or or do something, forget to wash their hands, whatever. It's this – it's just kind of the world we live in right now, 
and you kind of feel protected kind of, I think, inside the organization because of all the protocols. But, boy, like Blake Bortles missed out on a huge opportunity. Oh, a huge Could have started the game. But, see, here's what I can't stand. And, I, but first of all, I get it, right? Like, there's no things written in stone right now of how to handle a situation, right? You're just kind of flying by the seat of your pants, and hopefully it works out for everybody. Okay, so I'm not naive to that. But, like, to sit here and say that the Broncos didn't have a quarterback because, well, three of the quarterbacks didn't wear masks, like, I, I get it. Like, listen, they, they violated the protocols put a, you know set aside from them, and they should be punished, and they were punished. But then we have the Baltimore Ravens, and listen, I'm not sure if they broke any protocols. That we, I think we've heard, like, some guy on the team did something, whatever it was, but, like, could have spread the outbreak. But now we have to have to ask the Pittsburgh Steelers to rearrange their entire schedule about how they operate because – one guy messed up. Like, look, look what happened in Tennessee. Guys were practicing at a high school by, like, you know, by themselves. A group more than ten. And what happened with them? Nothing. But then we have three quarterbacks not wearing a mask in the building. It's like, well, you guys can't play now. The NFL, keep in mind now, the players are not griping about this as much because they don't want to lose game checks. I know, I, I, and that's the mess of So they're kind of like, they're, they're quiet. Yeah, they can't say Even anything. though they're ticked off, they've got to be. Yeah. But they're somewhat quiet because they don't want to lose game checks, and the NFL's doing this for the same reason. They don't yeah. want to lose the money. I know. And quite frankly, we want to see games. Yeah. We don't care if you put it on a Tuesday, a Thursday, a Friday, whatever. L- let me ask this question. Say that the Baltimore Ravens were in the Broncos spot. Right, take the Denver Broncos out of it. Let's say the the the, the Ravens, for whatever reason, Lamar they Jackson. They have a quarterback. They have a quarterback. Do you think the Ravens would would have played that game, or do you think the NFL would have been, hey guys, let's just wait till maybe Monday or Tuesday? No, I I don't think this is a Denver bad thing. I, I think you don't think so no, at all. I don't think so. Mm, see, I disagree. I don't think so. I disagree. That's interesting. Right, because they're in the mix. Because nobody cares about the Broncos. Yeah. Uh yeah, I don't buy that. Okay. I could see more because Broncos stink. Well, and yeah, it means that's what I'm more saying. to the Ravens. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just think Denver admittedly had they weren't following protocols, so they forced themselves in there. I mean, even Benji were, were the said, Titans following the protocols though when they're yeah. training together with ten people at a high school ball? No, it was more. Still have a job in December. We'll talk about that <laughs> next on ESPN six nine.